Praise the Lord, family, and welcome to Homecoming Revival with the St. Paul Baptist Church. We are so glad that you've joined us in worship this evening. Get ready for a powerful word from Dr. Jesse Williams. For everyone connected with us via Facebook, the church website, YouTube, or any of our other methods, join us in the chat boxes to engage in worship. And now, let's enter into service. When the clock hits zero, our evening worship will begin. And stay tuned after service for our upcoming announcements regarding just what's happening with St. Paul. Good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening. We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we're delighted to be able to share with you in our first night of virtual revival. I am excited and elated what the Lord is going to do as far as our time together is concerned. And of course, we are grateful and thankful for all of you who have joined us as far as our live service is concerned. I need you to do me a favor before we have the call to worship by Reverend Brenda Richardson. I want you to do me this favor, if you would. Go on your uh, social media platforms. If you're on Facebook, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat, we welcome you to St. Paul Online Virtual Revival Style. Our digital ministers, our social media influencers are ready to engage you. So we need you to do us this favor. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, share your personal time, share to your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure that you all stay in the same chat stream. You can also tag those whom you want to invite within the post. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and text this link to the worship service to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room, we ask that you will start this experience with others. Amen. I am excited about tonight and about what God is going to do. I'm going to ask that Reverend Brenda Richardson will come. She will give us our call to worship. And after that, we will have the singing of Revive Us Again. at home, wherever you are, raise your voices and loudly and say, I am about to have a revival. I'm ready for a revival. I'm ready to meet the Lord. I'm ready to remember. I'm ready to rejoice. It's a good thing to be able to remember and to be revived because that means that there's something stirred down on the inside of you that all it needs is just a little something get it going. I'm excited about revival. I'm excited about the opportunity just to praise the Lord. Let us worship him today. Lord, we lift you high. We thank you, God, for even this opportunity to call on your name. We worship you now in spirit and in truth. God, we love you. That everything that you do, that you know that we are ready for a revival. Revive us again. I don't know about you, but that's my favorite song. It says, revive us again. Amen? Amen.
Chronicles, chapter 7, verses 1 through 22, verses 12 through 22. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among the people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked and do according to all that I have commanded you and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom as I have covenanted with David, your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man as ruler in Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land. And I will give them and house and this house, which I have sanctified for my name, I will cast out of my sight and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and this house? Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought, brought all this calamity on them. God's word for God's people. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you now for this day. We thank you, God, and we pray right now, God, that you would saturate this sanctuary. It is holy. It is set aside for your glory and for your word this morning, this evening, God. Touch everyone that is in a thing that is operational today, God. Bless us in a mighty, mighty way that we may hear what the preacher has to hear, to say to us, that we may, our hearts may burn from within, God, to see what you have for us. Lord, we love you. We adore you, and we thank you for this place called St. Paul that thought even in a virtual moment, it was good to be revived. So God, now revive us again. Take us back to that place where we first knew you. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. Everything that is done is done to your glory. We magnify and honor your name, and it's in your name that we do pray. Can you join me in an amen? Amen.
And I'm hearing a buzz. Let's get that correct.
together wherever you may be and give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish you could be in this wonderful sacred space right now and just feel the very presence of God. I'm beginning to understand in this pandemic, you don't necessarily need a crowd in order for the Lord to move. Let me say that again. You don't need a crowd in order for the Lord to move. Let me say that one more time. You don't need a crowd in order for the Lord to move. But can you feel the presence of God, the Spirit of God, through the screen, wherever you're watching, however you're watching, the Lord is present. Hallelujah. The Lord is present in this place. My God. Thank you, Scott. I kind of pulled an audible on Scott, and I want to thank him and the adult praise team for giving us lift as far as that song is concerned. That wasn't in the script, but thank you, Scott, for uh, having them so prepared and you all being so prepared that you can fill in and um, bless us in a mighty way. There are times when the Lord moves in great spontaneity and you got to be open to the movement of spirit. Well, listen, this is our first night of our virtual revival. COVID-19 has thrown a lot of things out of sort. And one thing I was sharing with a good friend of mine the other day as we were talking about how we're navigating and ministering during this time of pandemic, I said we are basically building the plane as we fly it. And God knows that's what we've been doing for since the third Sunday of March of this year. We've been building this plane as we have flown it. And yet the Lord has been sustaining us. Amen. 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 From our ministers, from our staff, from our musicians, from our music ministry, our ushers, our audio video ministry, our board of directors, our deacons, all of those persons have come together along with this wonderful congregation to make St. Paul Online live. And so I want to thank you all so very much. I pray you are joining us as far as wherever you're watching us, whether you're watching us on your phone, on your computer, on your television, uh, on your uh, virtu- on your device, however you're watching us, do me a favor if you can, particularly on Facebook, send some hearts, send some likes. We want to know that you are out there. Well, listen, we realize that even though we're having a virtual revival, one thing about worship is that there's always an opportunity for us to give and be a blessing. I have discovered that authentic, genuine worship requires that I bring something to sacrifice. And so tonight, we want to come and we want to give a sacrifice. Now, let me just say, for those of you all who are not working, for those who have no modicum of income, you've been furloughed, laid off, uh, uh, fired from your job, this pandemic has thrown a major, major monkey wrench into your finances. I am not expecting you to give You don't have to give. I'm not expecting you to give. However, if you do give out of your poverty, out of your lack, my God, let me tell you, the Lord can bless you in an immeasurable way. I've seen that happen. However, for those of us who who do have some sense of income that we are still able to procure, I'm asking those of us who are strong, those of us who have income, to bear the infirmities of the weak. If you want to give as far as the revival is concerned, you can give just uh, under Givelify or on your, uh, if you mail in your check, just put revival. You can send your check to the office, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. You can also give 
as far as uh, the website is concerned. And if you give, you don't, if you don't see revival under there, just put it under offering and give in that manner. The same way you can give as far as Givelify is concerned. If you don't have that smart device on, if you don't have that app on your smart device, download it, amen, and connect it to your smart device. Search for St. Paul Baptist Church. You ought to see this beautiful sanctuary. That means you got the right St. Paul, amen, and you can give through the app called Givelify. Now, listen, I'm not asking anybody to match what I'm giving tonight, but I'm going to give $100. I'm going to give $100. Anybody that feels feel led to match that, you're more than welcome. However, I want you to give the very best that you can. I want you to give the very best that you can. One thing that I have discovered when it comes to giving, that there is this principle called sowing and reaping, and it is basically laid out in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, when Paul addresses giving an offering, he talks about sowing and reaping. And one thing I've discovered, because I'm a, uh, uh, from Mississippi, I, I know a little bit about farming, even though that was not part of my daily enterprise. My grandmother had a farm she used to work for this white man. And one of the things that I've discovered about sowing and reaping is that you sow little, you reap little. You sow much, you reap much. And so I'm asking you to give uh, based upon how you feel led on this evening. Uh, Again, I'm going to give $100, but whatever you want to give, please, ma'am, please, sir, just join us. So I want you to, if you would, get your offering, place it in your right hand. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. And we want to go ahead and give unto the Lord as we have prayer right now. Let us pray. God, on the first night of the watch, we come and we say thank you. Thank you, God, for this wonderful opportunity to partner with you and to give as far as your work is concerned. We come and we drop this seed, oh God, the seed of faith, sowing and reaping. We know good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, shall be added unto us. And so, God, we come right now because we trust your word and we know you're no shorter than your word. So, Lord, if you would, in your own powerful in way, take these gifts of ours, bless them in a Godful way. So that basically your word, your witness, your work, and your will shall move forth through the St. Paul Baptist Church. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray, and in his name we claim it done. Amen. So if you will go ahead and let's give at this time. And what I want to do as far as this time is concerned is to introduce our preacher for this evening. But before we do that, I know that we have a special birthday celebration. I see balloons in the sanctuary. And so let me, if I could, I want to take this pastoral liberty to uh, say happy birthday to Dr. Sherelle Fuller. She is all birthday clad out. Amen. Amen. She's been letting everybody know it's her birthday. Amen. Amen. So we hope and pray you've had a great day thus far. We pray you don't do like most folks do when you leave here. Go get turned up. Amen. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, Lord. It is, a, it is a wonderful honor to present to uh, our online um, community uh, our preacher for tonight. He has been a friend and a brother beloved since I met him in 1999 when I went to St. Louis to serve as pastor of the Central Baptist Church. He is none other than the Reverend Dr. Jesse T. Williams. 
He is the senior pastor of the Convent Avenue Baptist Church. He is the fourth pastor in the history of that renowned church in the village of Harlem, New York. Dr. Williams and I forged a friendship back in 99 that has stood, that has stand the test of time. And one thing that I can say is that uh, he has been a confidant. He has been one of my dearest and best friends. And I thank God for him. He and his wife, Jelaine, are the godparents to uh, our daughter, Cheris. And of course, they spoil her in an immense and immeasurable ways. Dr. Williams has been the pastor of convent for over a decade where the Lord has allowed for him to do wonderful, wonderful work as far as that church and community is concerned. And of course, he is a degree person, uh, having earned a bachelor of uh, science from the University of Kansas in engineering and with a minor in business finance. Then the Lord called him to ministry and he pursued the uh, MDiv and the doctor of ministry degree from Eden Theological Seminary. He is one of this country's best kept secret. He is just absolutely smart. And I just tried to every now and then sit at his feet and catch the pearls of wisdom that he dropped. So I want you all to do me a favor. I ain't going to ask you to stretch your right hand or anything like that, but I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray with him that the Lord will use him in a mighty and a wonderful way on this first night of our virtual revival. Our adult ensemble is going to bless us with song, and the next voice you will hear live will be that of Dr. Jesse T. Williams, the senior pastor of the Convent Avenue Baptist Church.
Thank you, Jesus. Strength like no other. I feel Strength it in my spirit. Like no other. And it reaches to me. You are my strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strength like no other. Strength like no other. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a day that the Lord has made and how blessed we are to be in another worship experience. I have been blessed by the revival services I've been watching as I've been waiting. I greet you all the way from here uh, in Harlem, New York, as God is uh, doing a great thing for us across the miles tonight. I thank God for this opportunity to share uh, with my dear friend and brother, uh, my friend, the Reverend Dr. Robert C. Scott, your esteemed pastor. Uh, pastor Scott, good to see you. I wish we were there in person to share in the fellowship, but uh, since we have to do it this way, I'm still blessed to be able to share with you to all of the disciples of the St. Paul Baptist Church of Charlotte, North Carolina. I greet you with Jesus' joy on tonight, and what a blessing it is to share with you on this, the first night of your revival. Again, uh, how wonderful it would be if we were there with you, but we can still worship and praise God. What the pastor said was absolutely right. You don't have to have a crowd in order to praise God. You can praise God wherever you are at whatever time. I greet all of you, family, friends, those of you who are worshiping with us tonight and watching. And now there is a word from the Lord. I want to invite your attention tonight to the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 7. That's the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17 verses 1 through 7. And there you find these words recorded in the text, and I'm reading them from the New King James Version. And it reads as follows. It says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. 
Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Verse five, but the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Then verse 7 says, Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, there is another king named Jesus. Amen. This is the word of God, and it's for the people of God. The grass may wither, the flower may fade, heaven and earth may even pass away. But the word of God, it will stand forever and ever and ever. Amen. And I want to preach tonight for uh, this first night of revival from the subject and the theme just to get us kicked off. I want to talk about when God turns your world upside down. When God turns your world upside down. Those of you who are watching, type that in the uh, comment section and share uh, this worship experience so that others, as they watch it, will be able to join in. When God turns your world upside down. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Gracious and eternal God, Lord, we do thank you and praise you for this day and for this opportunity to share your gospel uh, via this uh, medium, this platform. We ask, O oh God, now that you would bless and consecrate your word. Take me, your mouthpiece, your servant, and use me in whatever way you see fit. And I ask, O oh God, that you would just simply glorify yourself here and all over the airways, wherever this message is going. We bless your name, we lift you up, we glorify you, we magnify you in the name of Jesus. Amen. When God turns your world upside down. There is an Old Testament scholar that from time to time, Pastor Scott and I talk about, who is one of the most brilliant men that uh, we have read and uh, discussed his books over the years since our seminary education. He's an Old Testament scholar by the name of Walter Brueggemann. And in Walt Brueggemann's commentary on the Bible and particularly the Old Testament record, he records how the children of Israel go through a cycle, a life cycle in their walk with God. He posits that there is a recurring theme, a pattern, a paradigm that involves three stages that God uses as he dealt with the children of Israel all throughout 
the Old Testament, and really, I believe it continues today. And those three stages are orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. In a stage called orientation, that means when you are comfortable, when you're content, when everything is secure and you work to perpetuate and secure uh, what's happening in your life. When you go through a period of disorientation, that means we have, our norm has been disrupted, that what we have worked to secure and perpetuate has been shaken up. It means that we come to an unavoidable moment of catharsis and chaos in which uh, what we know and are comfortable with no longer exists. Everything is just up in the air. But then, thank God, there also comes, thirdly, this period called reorientation, where we find a new normal, we find a new place of contentment, and we adjust to new circumstances. After all the dust has settled, after all the chaos and trouble has come, we discover that life goes on, but it just goes on in a different way. And I believe that Brueggemann has correctly pointed out that a faith journey through life as we walk by faith and not by sight is full of God-making moves that often disrupt our comfort zones and lead us to another place where we must learn to live. A hymn writer captured the sentiment very well when he said, time is filled with swift transitions. Not on earth unmoved can stand, but build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. See, most of us, we don't mind God being in our lives. In fact, we want God in our lives. We want God to be there to catch us if we fall, to forgive us if we sin. We want God in our lives. We just don't want God to interrupt our plans and the way we like for things to be. But in fact, that is in fact what God does, and, and that is where God does some of his best work. Do I have any witnesses? And so when we use this language that, that your world has been turned upside down, it usually has a very negative connotation because most of us will take drastic, dramatic steps in order to make our lives comfortable in ways that cater to our own whims and wishes. We like to be the architects and designers of our own daily reality and create and construct the people, places, and circumstances in our lives that please us and make us most happy. You all know I'm right. We all want to be comfortable and established and oriented socially. We want our families and our relationships and, and the way we interact with people in our society. We want all that to be well-ordered. We, we care about how people see us, how they treat us, how they talk about us. We all want to be oriented vocationally. We want our job to be such where everything is, is where it's supposed to be and works, how 
how it's supposed to be and, and we get appreciated the way we ought to. We all want to be oriented financially. We all uh, want, wish we had the resources that uh, we believe we deserve and, and we want to make sure that we can make the ends meet and, and take care of all of our responsibilities. We all like to be oriented ecclesiastically. That is, in the church, we like things a certain way. We want them to be that way. We're comfortable with them that way. And we're not really interested in seeing them change too much. And we want to be oriented emotionally and mentally. And in so many different ways, we want to be in that period of orientation. However, we discover that the winds of change will blow. And my brothers and sisters, the unexpectedness that comes over us begins to reel and rock our steadiness and our foundation, and it turns our life every which way but loose. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We don't like drastic change, but so often in life we'll find ourselves in a place where what we have been comfortable with is flipped over, up, upheaded, upended, upset, turned over, turned out, shook up, disoriented, toppled over, and just generally upset and messed up. And can we all agree tonight, uh, without fear of con successful contradiction, that is, that this pandemic period has turned the world upside down? Yes, it's turned it upside down for us because we're, we're going through a number of different pandemics. We're going through the health pandemic with COVID-19. We're going through a social justice pandemic where racism, the covers are being uh, pulled off of racism in our society today. And we're going through an economic uh, pandemic as well where there's unemployment and people are losing their jobs. The world is being turned upside down. But my brothers and sisters, nevertheless, I stand tonight to share with you that even in the midst of your world getting turned upside down, God is still in control and God is still trying to accomplish something in us, with us, and through us. You see, as I reflect on my own life and my historical journey with God, I come to the serious conclusion that I'm glad, I didn't feel like it back then, but I'm glad that God turned my world upside down at various times in my life. Because when he turned my, my life, my world upside down, it was the quickest way for him to set me back on the right course and on the right purpose that he had for my life. Some of you are like me. I don't believe I'm alone tonight. That uh, you ought to be glad that there were some times when God turned your world upside down and because of that you know you are not the same person that you used to be. You're, you're stronger now, you're better now, you're wiser now. Is there anybody that is honest enough to admit on this, the first night of the revival, that there were some things where I should have been dead, I should have been in the crazy house, I should have been sprung out, out there in the street, but God had his hand in my life and he lifted me up and he blessed me and he turned my world upside down because I had constructed it in a bad way. God does have purpose 
for what he's doing in turning our world upside down tonight, brothers and sisters. And I, I want to present, press something even more scandalous to you, that God uses his people uh, to turn the world upside down and to turn other folks' world upside down. That's why folk often get mad at preachers and teachers and people who are talking about God and talking about the gospel. It's because uh, when your life gets turned upside down, you want to shoot the mailman or the woman. But I'm standing tonight, brothers and sisters, just to say that when God turns things upside down in your world, it's because he wants to do a new thing in you and he wants to turn around and use you to turn someone else's world upside down for their good. Now notice uh, it, it is under the direction of God. It's not under the direction of us, but God will use his disciples, his followers, in order to turn the world upside down. In the text tonight, Paul and Silas, as you know, are just fresh out of their experience in the Philippian jail in chapter 16. Although when we recount this story, we celebrate the fact that God did the jailhouse rock and set them free and their chains fell off and he uses them to convert the jailer. We cannot forget that before Paul and Silas were praying and singing at midnight in chapter 16, they were brutally beaten, incarcerated. They were mistreated, maligned, and molested in other stops in their missionary journey in Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. But despite the hardships and obstacles that Paul and Silas faced, they had a made-up mind. Oh, thank God. And they had a resolve and they had a faith to keep on keeping on for Jesus Christ no matter what and carry the gospel to the major metropolitan city of Thessalonica. And right there, let me stop and proverbially place a, a parenthetical point and say, my brothers and sisters, when things get tough in your life, when you get treated badly in life and, men, and you, you get treated badly in your ministry and your world feels like it's being turned upside down because of your relationship with God, uh, don't you dare quit. Don't you dare stop. Don't you dare give up and surrender. Don't you dare throw in the towel. Stay in there and be steadfast and God will revive you. He'll renew you and he will restore you. Paul and Silas are examples of this for us today. They have a focus in their ministry to head to Thessalonica. And as is his practice when he gets there, Paul goes straight to the Jewish temple. And he persuasively reasons with the, the people there from the scriptures for three weeks that Jesus is the Messiah. That he had to suffer, die, and rise again. And the record states that some of the Jews, I'm going to come back to that later, but the key, the key word in that verse of the text is some, S-O-M-E. Some of the Jews believed and joined the Christian movement. Additionally, there were some Greeks and some leading women in the community who also began to follow Jesus. <coughs> they thought that they had had it all figured out in the past, but when they heard the gospel, it transformed their life. 
But not everybody had that experience, as is often the case when you share the goodness of Jesus. Because the record says that those who did not believe became envious of him, of them. They, they gathered a, a crowd, a mob, and created an uproar in the community, and they dragged them in front of the magistrates and charged them with some pretty serious things. Number one, they said they've turned, these folk have turned the world upside down. And then number two, it says they're saying that there's another king besides Caesar. Now here's what I want you to see, brothers and sisters. Both groups heard the gospel. Both groups experienced having their world turned upside down. Both groups, the people who believed in Jesus and those who rejected the message, they both had their world turned upside down. The difference is how they responded to it. See, the difference is that those who walked with Jesus had a relationship with the one who could help them reorient or find a new purpose or a new balance or a new orientation, a new foundation in life that would eternally bless them. But the tragedy occurred with the other group. It must be a sad thing to have your world turned upside down and not recognize the movement of God in the midst of your world being turned upside down and not have any real plan to put the pieces of your life back together again. And so my brothers and sisters, that's, that's the, the real rub here in the text for me, Dr. Scott, is that there are people who are looking at this turned upside down world now uh, but tragically, they are not able to see the move of God that is going on now in this country. We're seeing social protests against racism, against the killing of uh, black and brown people at the hands of police. We're uh, seeing protests about voter suppression. And, and, and there are many who are just looking at that and critiquing it and can't see any theology or any move of God in it. And instead of trying to hear it, they're responding like Karens. <coughs> you all know what Karens are, don't you? I know you know what Karens are. And, and the response is like a Karen or a white supremacist with anger and bitterness. And oftentimes, brothers and sisters, there are folk who are frustrated, disgusted, bitter, and even downright angry at the fact that their life was comfortable, going along fine, it was convenient, it was cozy, it catered to their contentment, and then one day, things got turned up and turned over, and the world has been turned upside down, and they are angry because they cannot see or hear God's move within all of this. My brothers and sisters, that's got to be a terrible thing, terrible situation uh, to know that God's turning your world upside down and you'll never be the same and you'll wonder if you'll ever recover again and ever experience that kind of joy again. 
Well, brothers and sisters, God let me stand here tonight with you to just say a couple of things and then give about three points and then I'll let you go. I, I want you, but I want you to know tonight, first of all, that when God turned your world upside down, it wasn't a part of some arbitrary game that God was playing with you. For when God turns your world upside down, it, it always has purpose and it is a transition to God doing something even more powerful and profound in our lives. Yes, God's got something better for us on the other side of this pandemic. And then I want to say to somebody else, even though your world has been turned upside down, you can still make it and you will if you keep your hand in God's hand. God is still with you. He's not finished working it out for your good. It's not the end. It's not over for you. God is still in the blessing business. So the question is today, how do you make it? How do you make it when your world has been turned upside down? How do you, how, how do you get through it? How do you get past it? What can we learn from uh, the disciples in this text that will help us get through this time uh, of having our world turned upside down. And I'd suggest three things, and then I'll leave you there. I'll, I want to say this. The first thing you got to do is you have to focus on Christ instead of your critics. Focus on Christ instead of your critics. See, remember that misery always loves company. And when good starts turning your life around, there will always be player haters who envy you even though uh, you can't see anything they should be envious of. But Paul and Silas had some folk envious of them. And people like that will gather a crowd to try to condemn you because they are jealous at the fact that spiritually you have left them behind and that God is moving you to a new place and a new plateau in spite of your world being turned upside down. They want to disrupt your peace. Uh, they want to take away your joy. That God is doing something spiritual, some, some kind of renewal in your life. He's taking you to a place spiritually where you've never been before and everybody can't handle that. Notice, my brothers and sisters, uh, there will always be a knee-jerk reaction to maintain the status quo when people see your position, how God has blessed you and moved you to another level. But don't worry about that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking at our Christ. Keep following him. Keep trusting him and know that Jesus will never leave you alone. I like how Paul and Silas stand in the midst of this. I like that they're not afraid to go to Thessalonica. They've got a made-up mind, and you've got to have a made-up mind and not pay attention to your critics. The critics are just analysts. They've got an opinion about you and everybody else. But is there anybody here that knows that you ought to concentrate on pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ? You ought to give him your life and give him your all and give him the glory that your worship brings forth. Well, secondly, I would suggest that not only that, but you must understand when you're going through your world being turned upside down. Secondly, you must understand 
that some of your foes can become friends. Some of your foes can become friends. Now, watch this, church. Uh, when God turns things upside down, uh, you will have some critics and some people that will try to tear you down, but it also provides new opportunities to break down barriers that have divided us either in the church or in the community or in the nation. The body of Christ, the, the community of saints, and it says that when Paul and Silas began to preach, that there were some Jews, there were some Greeks, and there were some leading women in the community that heard them and went from being a foe to a friend. All three were a part of the church now. And so you had within just that verse, a movement, you had religious diversity, cultural diversity, gender diversity, and class, economic class diversity. And it provided an opportunity. The gospel opened the door for there to be new dialogue and new ways of sharing and new ways of talking. And it opened the door for them, for foes to become friends. And I just want to say that to us today, church, don't, don't ever underestimate God's ability to turn a situation around or change the hearts of some people. It will never be everybody when you do it, but my brothers and sisters, uh, some uh, if you stand on the gospel, if you represent the character of Christ, then, then God can use you to win somebody that you might not have thought is winnable. Yes, my brothers and sisters, there are too, there's too much division now uh, in the church. There's too much division in this country thanks to the divider in chief. Uh, right now, but there, there's too much of it. And the gospel calls for us to look for opportunities where foes can become friends. And I just want to remind you as we're going through this period to, to uh, don't become so hardened uh, in what's happening that you miss out on the opportunity of making a foe into a friend because the gospel has touched their heart. All right, last point, point number three, and I'll leave you with this. Not only must you focus on Christ instead of the critics, not only can some foes become friends, but in order to get through a time when your world is turned upside down, you've gotta, you've gotta praise Christ above Caesar. You gotta praise Christ above Caesar, in fact, you got to know, know, exalt Christ above any Caesar. Amen, somebody. Uh, you got to make sure that, you, that Christ is above any political figure. Now, I know you all just had the Republican National Convention there in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was a smaller group, but I understand that they were there. And uh, I watched a little bit of it because I thought I just needed to hear uh, what they were trying to say. And uh, brothers and sisters, Dr. Scott, please don't get mad at me, but uh, they tried to paint 
number 45, like he was Caesar. They tried to uh, say everything and do everything as if he's the best Caesar that this country has ever seen. And I couldn't help but think to myself as I was hearing that night after night that, uh, you know, ultimately, whoever is in Caesar's position, they are never higher than Jesus. Do I have a witness? Now, don't get me wrong. We must vote. We must get out and vote. We must vote in this upcoming election uh, because it does matter who sits in seats of authority. But ultimately, in God's timing, it matters most uh, that God is King of Kings and that he is Lord of Lords. And ultimately, it doesn't matter because Caesar is never as great as Jesus is. Do I have a witness? Jesus determines when things really get turned upside down. And Jesus ultimately will determine when things get set right side up. Unlike Caesar, Jesus loves and cares for everybody. And Jesus, unlike Caesar, Jesus died for everybody. He gave his life so that we might live and have life more abundantly. And Jesus, unlike Caesar, he unifies us in one body in Christ rather than dividing us in a bunch of cliques and clubs and societies. And so there is nobody like Jesus. And if we're going to make it through this pandemic, my brothers and sisters, we've got to understand that Jesus is sovereign over any Caesar that the world tries to lift up. Somebody ought to help me and give me a witness right about there. I said Jesus is more, more powerful. He's more sovereign than any, than any Caesar this world may have. Is there anybody here that knows that there's nobody like Jesus? He is my rock in a weary land. He's shelter in time of storm. He is a bridge over troubled waters. He is a doctor in a sick room. Is there anybody here that knows my Jesus and you're not afraid to give him a praise and to glorify him and to lift up his holy name? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Well, brothers and sisters, when your world gets turned upside down, yes, you got to focus on Christ instead of your critics. Yes, uh, you got to realize that some of your foes can become friends. And yes, you got to make sure you exalt Christ above Caesar. But I want to close with just this today, that there is an unsung hero in this text that we often don't talk about and that he doesn't get much preaching time, and his name is Jason. And remember, when they wanted to find Paul and Silas, they went to Jason's house, and uh, they really just bum-rushed Jason's house and, and went in there to, to try to find them, and when they, when they couldn't find them, they grabbed Jason. Yes, yeah. Now, Jason is an unsung hero, I say, 
uh, because they couldn't find him and Jason is the one that endured the assault and the persecution and the ridicule while Paul and the disciples were uh, still able to do and continue their ministry. And this is what I want to leave you with, brothers and sisters. Thank God for the Jasons in your life. Thank God for the people who took some hardship, who took some hits, that took some criticism and some mistreatment in your place so that you could do what God wanted you to do. You see, like what happened to Jason even today, there are groups that will persecute you because you don't think like they think. And if they can't get to you, they will persecute somebody who helped you. When your world gets turned upside down, I'm so glad that God will send a Jason or a Jasonette to take the heat while you do the will of God. Your enemies come looking for you and can't find you and instead they got to settle for Jason. My God, my God. God will hide you. He will protect you. He will take care of you. I know I'm right about it. He is well able. Jason is kind of like Jesus. He, he hides me. Jesus hides me in his pavilion when things are going wrong. And my brothers and sisters, that's how the world, that's the kind of world we're living in right now. When I'm seeing John Lewis and C.T. Vivian and Chadwick Bozeman and John Thompson today, and these are just in recent days, I feel like my world is being turned upside down just a little bit. But my brothers and sisters, even in the middle of that, I've got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. I've got a feeling that God is still on the throne and he's still taking care of us. And I believe that God will take care of you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your pathway. Trust him and never doubt. And he will surely bring you out. In the words of the scripture, may God bless you. And in the words of the Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Take care, and God bless your hearts. Wow, wow, wow. First of all, forgive us for the sound difficulty. We pray that you got the gist of the sermon as far as that word is concerned, and what a powerful word it was. It came through despite the static. Thank you, Dr. Jesse Williams, for uh, that wonderful word when God turns your world upside down. And of course, our world has been turned upside down, but we're told to focus on Christ. God will allow for some foes to become friends and then put Christ, praise Christ, exalt Christ above Trump, above Biden, above Caesar. And God will sustain us. Thank you for such a powerful word. And again, we do apologize for um, the sound difficulty that came through on our end, but we pray that you hung in there with us. You got the gist of this word. What a powerful word. I want to, at this time, uh, to offer you the wonderful opportunity to connect with Jesus Christ, uh, to connect with Jesus Christ reality-wise, 
as we engage in this virtual worship space. We are receiving people online in virtual space. We are uh, uh, leading people to Christ as far as this virtual space is concerned. But let me tell you something. Your salvation is not virtual. It's real. So I want you to, if you would, I want you to repeat this prayer after me as we uh, have this prayer and this prayer touches with you. If this prayer connects with you, if this prayer makes sense to you, I want you to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ tonight. That's right, tonight. And if you call us, you send a text message, you send a, an email, uh, let us know what your decision is by five o'clock tomorrow evening. Someone will be in touch with you to let you know what the next steps are. So repeat this prayer after me. God, I thank you for sending Jesus Christ because he is the one that turns my world upside down so that now it can be right side up. God, I thank you for letting Jesus down a cross for my sins. Right now, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I want the gift of your salvation. I believe Jesus died for my sins. And I believe he rose from the dead. God, send your spirit into my life right now. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer, you're sincere about that prayer, guess what? Salvation is yours. It's really that easy. Yes, you are saved by faith. God gives it to you as a gift of grace. You're not saved by anything you do. You're not saved by coming to a church building. You're not saved by giving money. You're saved by your belief, by your trust, by your faith. And if you prayed that prayer, salvation is yours right now. So if you prayed that prayer, I want you to, if you would, do me this favor. Just type in salvation in the chat box. One of our digital ministers will get with you. Or you can send an email as far as our uh, church website is concerned to, and I want to make sure that I get this, connect at spbcnc.org. If you want to join the St. Paul Church, you can do the same thing. Just send an email to connect at sbbcnc.org. Make sure you have the information. We will get back in touch with you. We would love for you to be a part of our fellowship. Well, hey, on tomorrow night, same time, same place, 7 o'clock. Prayerfully, we will have uh, the bugs worked out, and I believe we will, as we bring our preacher for tomorrow night, Dr. Jerry Carter. And until then, if you would, just feast on this powerful word that God has shared. I want to thank Reverend Brenda Richardson for leading us as far as our worship experience is concerned, our adult ensemble for blessing us with great songs. Let's, uh, wherever you may be right now, let us stand. And we're going to have a closing benediction. God, we come and we thank you right now for what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, our spirits have experienced. Thank you for Dr. Jesse T. Williams and all that he has poured out. Now, God, as we get ready to leave from this virtual space, but never from your presence, keep us in your sovereign care. Bring us back together on tomorrow night. And God, we know that even through technology, you can bless us with worship, witness, and word. 
Now dismiss us into the night air. Now allow for those that are here to make it home safely. Allow for those that are at home to have a great night rest. And then God, give them the energy and strength to do school, to do work, to do help on tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you all on tomorrow night. Thank you.